Welcome to Lighting Your Way, a podcast featuring exciting, hilarious, heartbreaking, terrifying, and joyful stories of real nurse advocates helping real patients get the best health care. Hi, I'm Nurse Betty Long. Each week, I and one of my nurse colleagues at Guardian Nurses will take you behind the curtain to help you better navigate the healthcare system when you or a loved one is sick or injured. Today, we talk with nurse advocate Stephen Mitchell, who is one of our colleagues out in Seattle, Washington, and works primarily with patients who are experiencing mental health struggles like anxiety, depression, grief, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other serious health issues. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought about much illness, suffering, and death in our world, and a lot of that is physical suffering, but there is also a massive amount of emotional suffering that is going on and was going on on top of all the COVID issues. So we've invited Stephen to talk with us today. Welcome, Stephen Mitchell, to the Lighting Your Way podcast. You are coming to us all the way from Seattle, Washington, yes? Hi, Betty. Yes, I am a Seattle native and now living in Edmonds, Washington. It is so great to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you are very welcome, Stephen. Always good to talk with you and certainly very important to be talking about mental health. Uh, You know, I was just saying the other day that while the COVID-19 pandemic has been awful on so many levels, one good thing to come out of it has been that more people are talking about mental health uh, and that can't be a bad thing, right? No, not at all. I've worked in mental health nursing now for over 11 years, and it has always had a stigma associated with it. Yes, very sad. Um, and I know coming up in a few weeks uh, will be May, which I believe is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I am glad we are getting a jump on that. Uh, before we ask you to tell your patient story, Stephen, I have a few questions about your career. Uh, most of us cut our teeth, as the saying goes, working in med surge nursing. I'm curious what initially attracted you to go into mental health nursing. Ah, great question, Betty. (laughs) Well, I guess I need to start at the beginning. Um, In high school, I was preparing to become an actor, and I even auditioned at Juilliard. But as time went on, my mom, who was a nurse, told me one evening, nope, I think you need to get into the family business of nursing. That way you don't struggle. (laughs) So I set off into nursing, and I got my feet wet, and I worked as a nursing assistant on a dementia unit. I truly loved caring for these patients because each one of them had their own story, their own world. And in order to work with them, you had to find out how they told their story in order to help them. So in a way, it was kind of like acting. Then I went to nursing school, started on a med surge floor for about a year as a nurse. And then one day I was asked to float to the Gero psych unit. As the nursing supervisor came up, I quickly raised my hand, said, I'll float. And ever since that day, psychiatric nursing has been my calling. That's great. That's great. Especially the acting, uh, acting and nursing. Who, who knew there was a connection? Um, so prior to joining the Guardian Nurses team, you worked in behavioral health facilities in San Francisco and Seattle. But in your current role with our client in Seattle, what, what do you like most about your uh, nursing role there? You know, I think, the thing I like the most as a role as a nurse advocate is the ability to help my patients with anything. Mm -hmm. I have driven records to one provider's office and dropped them off at another. I have helped a grieving patient sort the belongings of their passed away wife 
with the support of a colleague of mine in order to help them just to begin to heal. There is so much connected to psychosocial nursing that goes beyond just therapy and is really about being there for people and having that human connection. Oh, I definitely agree. And, and in, all, in all of nursing, not just mental health nursing. Um, so thank you for that. Ma- many of our, our listeners tell us that they enjoy hearing from our nursing colleagues about their careers. So maybe on this podcast, you've inspired someone uh, listening to pursue mental health nursing or perhaps acting. Yay. Who knew? Um, so I'd like to uh, remind our listeners that this podcast is called Lighting Your Way because in the spirit of Florence Nightingale, we want to light the way for you, our listeners, to empower you to become more educated consumers, to become better advocates for you and for your loved ones when they're needing health care. And today, uh, we're asking Stephen to share his story. So let's get started on that. Uh, Stephen, tee up for our listeners, if you would, please. What is your story going to be about? Yeah, um, what I wanted to do was tell a story about a woman I worked with a few months ago who was struggling with a lot of emotion after she was readmitted for a very complicated gynecological surgery. When you say uh, readmitted, explain that for our listeners. What does that mean? Yeah, so readmitted means that she had the surgery, was discharged to home following that surgery, but then had complications which made her return to the same hospital. And as we all know, it never feels good to go back to the hospital, but in this case, she had to. Oh, no, I can imagine it never feels good. Um, and, you know, you think you're, you're through the hard part, and then you find yourself back where you started. Um, so thank you for that. I just want to make sure we were clear. So continue. Sorry. Yeah, so my, my three colleagues and I support a large health and welfare fund. We receive por- reports about who's in the hospital, and that's where I saw her name. Initially, my colleague Andy made the first outreach call to the hospital, but the patient had already been discharged. So she called what she thought was the patient's home number and was unable to reach her. So does that happen a lot? Like someone's discharged before you get to visit them? Um, Not that often, but yes, occasionally it does. This case was a few months ago, and there were still a lot of restrictions on visitors at hospitals here in the Seattle area because of COVID. So even if she had been in the hospital, we may have not gotten to see her. So in that case, what do you do if that happens, if you can't get to see them? Oh, we are like the Royal Canadian Mounties. (laughs) We always find our patients. Actually, after a couple of, of unsuccessful calls to get her live on the phone, Andy did quite a bit of digging to find a different contact number for this particular patient. Mm -hmm. She did reach her on the first attempt and soon after saying hello, asked her how she was doing and immediately following that, the patient simply started to cry. Mm -hmm. She shared with Andy all of the complications she had had and that resulted in a great deal of anxiety and depression. Wow. Was the anxiety and depression all due to her surgery and the complications surrounding it? Um, not entirely, but to be fair, I, I think it's really hard to psych yourself up for surgery, any significant surgery, and then have yeah. complications. True. But in this case, it wasn't entirely surgical reasons. Um, she was the main caregiver for several of her family members, and her hospitalization and then rehospitalization was causing her a great deal of stress. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, she was away for the original surgery, then had to come and be away again when she was readmitted. And even though she was in the hospital, her family continued to reach out to her by phone, resulting in her feeling guilty, maybe a little angry, 
And like I said, in my initial comments, she was struggling with a lot of emotion. Wow. That, that is a lot to deal with, right? After when you're supposed to be focusing on your own health and your own recovery, that must've been really hard for her. Um, did her anxiety about being away from her family cause her to leave the hospital after her surgery before she quote should have? Um, I don't think so. A lot of my patients need to stay an extra day or two, but looking back, she went home when her doctor said it was safe to go home. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. So anyway, after Andy had talked with her about her complications, she mentioned to the patient that I was available to help her and support her. Okay. And that's how you got involved with her, right? Through a nurse to nurse transfer? Yeah. Besides carrying my own caseload of medical patients, mental health patients, I am often consulted on cases where the level of emotion doesn't quite fit the situation. Mm -hmm. That's a high potential sign that a patient may need additional support. And in this case, it was true. So tell me a little bit more about that. The, the level of emotion doesn't quite fit this with the situation. Tell me a little bit more. Yeah. So essentially how I think about it, that is when someone is reacting to something I am saying or they're saying, and that reaction is not a common one. So in this case, the patient was talking about anything, any subject, and then would break down and start crying. Mm. And then to me, this is an overreaction. And a lot of the times these overreactions are caused by stress and that stress can easily lead to fear, anxiety, and sometimes depression. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember once many years ago, uh, someone said if the, if the, the reaction does not equal, does not fit with the situation, right? There's something else going on. That's always been helpful. Uh, for me yeah. to remember. So, so how did you first make contact with her? So I immediately gave her a call. I got her mm -hmm. my first try. And with about two minutes of being on the phone with her, she began to cry. Mm -hmm. She told me that she had multiple follow-up appointments with her surgeon, with her primary care doctor, and all of this said other stuff going on. And she just felt overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I encouraged her to, to talk. And for the better part of approximately 10 minutes, she kept talking and I just simply listened. I didn't say anything, and I just let her tell her story. Wow. That is very good of you, uh, Nurse Mitchell. Uh, it's so hard to actively listen with no agenda other than to hear what someone is saying, right? It's so hard, but good for you. So what happened then? Well, when the right moment came along, I you know, simply acknowledged her feelings. I told her that it really did seem like she had a lot going on. And one of the great joys of this role is I get to decide what I think would be helpful. So I immediately offered her a home visit. Hmm. I said, if you're open to it, I would be happy to make a home visit and sit with you and figure all of this out. Oh, that's great. I can only imagine what her reaction was. Did she agree to you coming out to visit? <laughs> she did. But the funny thing was, is I hadn't looked at where she lived. Uh -oh. um, the members of our fund that I support have a quite diverse geography. Uh, turns out it was quite a distance, but I knew that the visit was really important. And one of the things that was weighing on her was the isolation she felt because of the pandemic. And of course, because of the location on the peninsula. Yeah, that peninsula, it's, it's uh, just a short ferry ride away. Um, of course. So, so, so many guardian nurses patients this last year struggled uh, as the world did, right? I, I'm glad she was receptive to your visit. Um, how long was it between your phone conversation and the visit? Um, I remember talking to her on a Thursday, and the visit was planned the following Monday. 
Mm-hmm. And when I got there, once we all got settled and physically distanced in her living room, um, she began talking again about all of her problems and again immediately started to cry. I could just feel sitting in the room how overwhelmed she was with all of these emotions. As she continued, she shared her story that her primary care doctor had written her prescription for an antidepressant medication, but she hadn't filled it yet. She said, I don't want to be one of those people who are on an antidepressant medication. I've heard the side effects are terrible and that once, you on a, once you're on them, you can never come off. Mm-hmm. And I don't want my local pharmacist knowing that. Wow. Oh, that is a lot to unpack. I mean, I've heard of people not wanting to be on them, but I've never, wow, okay. So so what did you do? Yeah, it was a lot to unpack. So, you know, there are lots of people who believe those things. Mm. So I explained to her that taking an antidepressant, for, you know, particularly the one that she was prescribed, they're called SSRIs, did not enslave you to a life of medication. Mm-hmm. I also explained how when someone is dealing with a lot of emotion or maybe they're stuck and haven't been able to move on, that one of the best ways to help is to talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. But when there are so many emotions interfering, you need a little help to quiet what I call the orchestra in your head. Oh. For her, what an SSRI medication would do was to help calm the string section so she can begin to process the brass section with a therapist and possibly get to the root of what was causing her to burst into tears. Wow. I love that analogy, Stephen, of the orchestra. I, uh, I can't imagine what the percussion session, uh, the section, the percussion section is. Um, so who in that orchestra scenario is the conductor? Is it the patient? No, the conductor would be the therapist or generally the provider. And if you think of our minds as the entire orchestra, which has mm-hmm. all these different sections, okay. string, brass, percussion, and woodwind, these sections sometimes play together and sometimes in competition with each other. Okay. So the patient has to learn how to manage those competing sections. A therapist or a provider can see the whole orchestra or brain and help the patient make harmonious music instead of noise. That is really a great analogy, an orchestra. Okay, great. So um, a great picture to draw for someone, right? Or a great um, visual to give them. Yeah, and actually speaking of visuals, um, I actually drew several pictures for her. And one of the ones that stood out was one of the concepts that was taught to me by one of my psych nursing mentors. Um, and it was really what I, what I, when I draw it, it's to help patients understand what we and I are doing with them. And the picture is simply a diagram, and it has four bubbles, one of the bubbles being on top of the sheet, two bubbles being above that, and the fourth being on top. Mm-hmm. The bubble on the bottom is called safety. The next two bubbles above that are medication and structure, and the final bubble is communication. All of these bubbles are connected, and the first bubble we want to make sure that is taken care of is safety. And the definition of safety simply means that the patient feels safe and they have their basic needs met. Hmm. Well, Stephen, you know, I love bubbles, so that would be a great visual for me, but um, what would the safety look like? Yeah. So safety would mean that, you know, they feel like they can talk, that they, you know, they're, they're getting their, that they're eating, they're drinking. Um, Sometimes people need a little help with that. So we use medication and structure. So as a nurse, I would typically reach out to a psychiatrist who can order the medication. But in this particular case, she already had a prescription for medication, which she didn't want to fill. So I 
decided to speak with her primary care doctor who ordered it. I introduced myself, let them know my role and how I was best going to help support her. Okay. And, and so, so that's safety. But what, what then does structure mean? So if you're looking at structure, um, a lot of the times when we use medication, that's one component. And then structure is how we help them organize, again, continue to organize and help them feel safe because it can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So if we continue with the orchestra analogy, there's a lot of music going on. Right. And if that music is not in tune, it's just noise. So for her, she had a lot of information and all that information was scattered about her house. Okay. So we sat down, we went over her next appointments. We even called a couple of the providers to sure we had the correct times, okay. dates of those appointments. We pulled up her work schedule and we made sure that all of that was entered onto one calendar that was the same calendar great great i could use you at my my, my office um okay and uh and the last bubble is communication so in this in in this instance what does that mean yeah so communication in our biz is called therapy ah. this is where someone feels comfortable enough to start talking about what's happened to them as they start talking about their past their present usually we can find the root of a stressor maybe a childhood event that is possibly leading to their anxiety and depression. Oh. And did she go to therapy? She did. It was a few weeks later, but she did. Um, I was able to get her connected to a faith-based faith -based therapist near her home who also accepted her insurance. So I felt like we won the you know, lottery, million dollars, jackpot, whatever. Yeah. I, I, if not the lottery, you certainly created a small miracle to happen. Um, what was the significance of the faith-based therapist? I, I'm assuming that that was something that she had requested? Yeah, um, back in one of our earlier conversations I'd had with her, she admitted that she felt that faith was a really important part of healing. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I honored that because if, if we could find the appropriate therapist, that would enhance her treatment. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminded me of the town halls that you and I have done this past year where we talk a lot about therapists that you'll connect with. Right, right. Because after all, if you can't connect with your therapist, if you don't feel comfortable talking to them, what's the point? Exactly right. Right. So how did it work out? Did she start the meds? Um, did she connect with the therapist that you had identified? All of the above. Um, nice. By, yeah, <laughs> she called me to tell me that she was feeling great after having started the medication. Um, she said she stopped crying when she was talking about her health. And even better, she reported that she made a connection with that therapist I found. Right. And she truly felt like things were improving. Right. And to top it all off, she's completely healed from her surgery and is back to work feeling great. Wow. That is what we call in the biz, in my biz, a fantastic outcome. So uh, good work. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things she told me that really helped her was my home visit. And I remember her saying it was just simply seeing the white of my eyes and being there to help her understand the next steps of her treatment plan. Mm -hmm. I think it's the simple power of showing up that really made all the difference in this case. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the big takeaways for me with this story is that last year with several things being virtual, we didn't have that physical and social connections with other human beings. Right. So it, it caused a lot of us to feel highly sensitive to everything. Right that high sensitivity leads to increased stress, which can also lead to depression. And after all, human beings are social creatures. Oh, absolutely, right? Isn't that the one thing that we're all 
uh, eager to have is to hug someone. I know on previous podcasts, uh, most of our guests just want to hug someone afterward. So I, I think that that is, and I appreciate the, the comment that you made. It was the simple power of showing up that made all the difference to her. And I think that's what is unique uh, for guardian nurses is that we can show up, as you alluded to earlier, that we have the ability to make that decision to go out to a home visit um, or to go with someone to a, a physician visit or to visit them in the hospital. So I, I appreciate that. That was, that's good. Um, Stephen, given all that you shared throughout this story, what one piece of advice would you offer our listeners who, you know, might be feeling uneasy, feeling sad, feeling something that they feel needs some attention? You know, the one thing I would say is to reach out to someone you trust. That's the really most important because you need to talk about it. Um, talking about it begins the healing process. Keeping it bottled up does not help and really can make things worse. Mm. Remember again, the orchestra analogy. If you're feeling that something is out of tune and there's too much noise in your head, you might need help. And I know it's really hard to talk about how we are feeling. So that's why I encourage everyone to find someone you trust. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Um, I remember a few weeks back, I was talking with one patient who admitted uh, that she was an alcoholic and she wanted to go to rehab. And we talked for a while. And when I asked her if she had a therapist, because she had some stuff going on, she said, yes, but she doesn't know about my drinking. And I, you know, I, I thought, wow. So it definitely feels important to your point to find someone you can trust and someone you can feel safe with. Okay. So, exactly. all right. Yeah. So um, thank you. So this is our fun question for everyone who's on the podcast. Uh, it's been a year. Our world was shut down back in March of 2020. Um due to the COVID pandemic. So I'd like you to answer this sentence or fill in the fill in the blanks. When the world's open up again, when the world opens up again, fully opens up, I will. Travel outside the country. Ah, uh, one of my favorite good. things to do is, tra oh yeah, is traveling to new places outside the United States. I love learning about new cultures through food, their daily activities, and simply how they live. Mm -hmm. And one of the most like inspiring places I want to return to because of the food is Italy. Um, and so, and the weather. So yes, count me into Italy. Well, count me in too. And I'm coming for the wine uh, and I'll be happy to eat what you guys are eating. Um, and certainly the weather and certainly coming from Seattle, I would imagine that you would want uh, the Italian weather. So uh, I will be following you over if you don't mind. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. More than okay. <laughs> uh, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, joining me this afternoon. Always great to talk with you and thank you for your good work. Thank you so much, Betty. I've truly enjoyed it. Ciao. Oh, ciao. Take care, Stephen. Bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, 
guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.